Is anybody up there? I mean, really? Have you ever just looked up into the sky and wondered, is there a God? Is there really a supreme being up there who is alive and intelligent and controlling things on earth? Is anybody really up there? And if so, how do you know? How do you know God exists? I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101. About 25 minutes or so, we'll be looking at each week systematic theology doctrines of the Christian faith. And we're looking today at the existence of God. How do you know God really exists? Well, in answering that question, there are two ways that we know from Scripture that God exists. Two ways. Let's talk about both of them. First of all, number one, the first way that we know God exists is that humanity has an inner sense of God. All persons everywhere have a deep inner sense that God exists, that we are His creatures, that He is our Creator. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.21, even unbelievers know God. They do not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they know that there is a God. Romans 1.25, Paul says unbelievers have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. So that is implying that they are actively or willfully rejecting some truth about God's existence. Romans 1.19, Paul says, what we can know about God is plain. And then he adds, because God has shown it to us. So there is deep within every one of us, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, a sense that our Creator exists. Now, the Bible goes on further to say that only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's Psalm 14.1. So it recognizes the fact that there will be some people who deny the inner sense of God and that God exists. And the Bible calls that person a, a fool. And that is someone who is thinking irrationally, who has been deceived, that is the person who says there is no God. Now, question arises. What would make a person deny the inner sense? What would cause a person to deny the knowledge of God that he gives to us? Very simple. It's the word sin. Because we are fallen creatures, because we are sinful, the Bible tells us that unrighteousness suppresses truth. So for those people who do not believe the inner sense that God is real and that God exists, then it's because of, of sin. In fact, Romans chapter 1, there, there's a series of active verbs that are used. In fact, Romans chapter 1 is a great chapter to show us that, that God does exist and that there is an inner sense in each one of us. 
And in Romans chapter 1, there is a series of active verbs that indicate that if a person does not believe that, it is because of a willful suppression of the truth. Now, for those of us who are born-again believers in Jesus, the life of a Christian, this inner awareness of God becomes stronger and stronger and more distinct. Romans 8 talks about that. Even more distinct as we grow in Him. So, first of all, the first way to, to know that God exists is the inner sense of God that He places within not just believers, but every single human being. Second reason. Here's the second way you can know that God exists. Secondly, God has placed evidence in Scripture and in nature that He is real. There is clear evidence of God's existence that can be seen in the Bible and in nature. Now, the evidence that God exists is, is found all throughout the Bible. In fact, the Bible assumes God exists. It, it never tries to describe God and where He came from. The very first verse of Genesis, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That verse does not present evidence for the existence of God, but it immediately tells us what He's done. God created so, the Bible assumes God, it does not explain God. And that's a significant uh, distinction because the Bible begins by saying God is there when the Scriptures open. So, all throughout Scripture, there is evidence that is found for God Himself. But you know, the world also around us gives abundant evidence of God's existence. Again, the Apostle Paul said that God's eternal nature and deity have been clearly perceived in the things He has made. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 20. So the broad reference to the things He has made suggests that in some sense, every created thing gives evidence of God's character. Nevertheless, it is human beings created in the image of God who most abundantly bear His witness. But everything in the world around us points to an infinite, all-wise Creator who incredibly, intricately, skillfully communicated to us that He is real and He exists. Nature around us tells us that. So, whenever you look upward into the sky during the day or, or by night and you see the sun or you see the moon or the stars or the clouds or the sky, all of these are continually declaring just by their existence, their beauty, their greatness, they're all declaring that a powerful and a wise Creator has made them and sustains them in their order. Now, this wide variety of testimonies to God's existence from various parts of the created world, they suggest to us that in one sense, everything that exists 
gives evidence of God's existence himself. For those who have eyes to see and those of us who evaluate the evidence correctly, every leaf on a tree, every blade of grass, every star in the sky, every part of creation yells out, God made me, God made me. And if our hearts and minds were not so blinded by sin, it would be impossible for us to look closely at all the things around us and deny the existence of a creator. You cannot look at the complexity of a leaf, for example, from a tree and just say, well, no one created this, it just happened. There's, there's no way you could say that. I mean, look at the, the beauty of a snowflake the majestic power of a thunderstorm, the, the skill of a honeybee, the taste of cold water, the incredible abilities of, uh, of just the human eye. In fact, one, one believer, uh, believer one time was a skeptic earlier said just by studying the human eye alone made him realize this couldn't have just happened. There had to be an all powerful, all-wise creator who made it. Therefore, whenever we believe that God exists, we are basing our belief not on some blind hope apart from any evidence, but we are basing that belief on an overwhelming amount of reliable evidence from God's Word and from God's work that yes, God does exist. It's a characteristic of true faith that is a confidence based on reliable evidence and faith not in just something that's hopeless, but faith in the existence of God that makes us believe, yes, He does exist. So there are two reasons uh, I believe that, that the Bible points to that we can know somebody's up there God does exist. First of all, humanity's inner sense of God that He's placed in all of us. And secondly, the evidence from Scripture and nature around us that points to an all-wise, all-powerful Creator of the universe. Now, let's go next to the traditional proofs for the existence of God. There have been four primary traditional proofs that God exists uh, that have been constructed by Christian and sometimes non-Christian philosophers at various points in history. And, and these are attempts to analyze the evidence, especially the evidence from nature, in extremely careful and logically precise ways. And that's in order to persuade people that aren't thinking rationally because of sin that there really is a God who exists. And so these traditional proofs for the existence of God have, have been around to try to uh, reject the idea uh, from those who dispel God's existence. Now, just to say a word, uh, these proofs will not allow a person to become a Christian. In other words, you cannot just say, well, here are the proofs that God exists. 
So therefore, a person says intellectually, oh yeah, you're right, so therefore I'll become a believer. We'll talk later at the end of this podcast, but the only way a person can be convinced, overcome the blindness of sin and be convinced of who God is, is through the, the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a moment. But these are just traditional proofs for the existence of God, in a sense, causing people who are thinking irrationally because of sin to think rationally and correctly about the evidence for God's existence. So let me give you these four traditional proofs for the existence of God four major types of arguments. Number one, the first one is called the cosmological argument for the existence of God. And the cosmological argument considers the fact that every known thing in the universe has a cause. Something caused it. Therefore, it reasons the universe itself must have a cause and the cause of such a great universe can only be led, can only be created by God. Aristotle was the first to, to present this idea, and, and then Thomas Aquinas after that reintroduced it in the 13th century. But it's basically saying everything in the universe, if it's there, it has to have a cause. Uh, it has to have someone who, who caused it to happen so th things do not just appear out of thin air. Things do not just happen. So therefore, a causer caused things to be. And that's the cosmological argument, considering that every known thing in the universe has a cause. Secondly, the second traditional proof for the existence of God is called the teleological argument. The teleological argument. Now, it comes from the Greek word teleos, which means goal or purpose. Teleos is doing what you were designed to do. So, that means the teleological argument for the existence of God uh, focuses on the evidence of harmony and order and design in the universe. And it argues that its design gives evidence of an intelligent purpose. Uh, Socrates was the first to, to argue this. It was called the argument from design. Uh, William Paley in 1802 came up with what's called the watchmaker analogy that goes into the teleological argument uh, subcategory. And, and the watchmaker analogy is if you see something like a watch that's been very intricately designed, has a purpose, it's a timekeeping device, a time measuring device, and if you look at it and look at, it, at the construction of it, you're going, there has to be a watchmaker. A watch didn't just fall out of heaven. Somebody had to make it. And so um, since a, a, something as intricate as a watch is designed, there must be a watchmaker. So the teleological argument says the universe appears to be designed with a purpose, so there must be an intelligent, purposeful God who created it to function in a purposeful way. So we have the cosmological argument number one, the teleological argument number two, 
third, the third argument for the existence of God is called the ontological argument. The O-N-T-O ontological argument. This was introduced by Anselm of Canterbury, 1078. And this argument begins with the idea of God who is defined as a being greater than which nothing else can be imagined. So in other words, if you can sit around and imagine a being greater than any other being imaginable, then that means there must be a God. It then argues that this characteristic of existence must belong to such a being since it is greater to exist than not exist. Uh, of course, the Greek word ontological is derived from the Greek word that means being. And if you can conceive of the idea of God, that proves there must be a God out there a being like that. The ontological argument. And then finally, the fourth one is the moral argument. This has been proposed by Immanuel Kant, C.S. Lewis, uh, other philosophers and Christian theologians the moral argument for the existence of God. And, and this argument begins from man's sense, humanity's sense of right and wrong. Uh, humanity's sense of the need for justice to be done. Uh, it, it argues that there must be a God who is the source of right and wrong and who will someday mete out justice to all people. So people today sometimes call that karma. That's an that's a Eastern religion belief. I don't, I don't believe in karma. Some people call it that. But this is the moral argument that humans have deep within us a sense of right and wrong and a need for justice. So therefore, there must be a being out there who is the source of that feeling within us that feeling of right, that feeling of wrong, and that justice must be made right. So those are the four traditional proofs of, um, uh, of the existence of, of God. Now, the value of these proofs lies chiefly in overcoming some of the intellectual objections that some believers may have as I mentioned, these, these proofs in and of themselves cannot bring unbelievers to saving faith. Only the testimony of Scripture, only the awakening of the Holy Spirit within them, uh, only, only that can bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But these four proofs can help objections from unbelievers and for believers can provide intellectual evidence for something that, has, has, that they already have been persuaded of anyway, of an inner sense of God from the testimony of Scripture. So those are four of the traditional arguments for the existence of God. Now, before our time wraps up today, we have just a few minutes left. I do want to mention one other aspect of the existence of God, and that is, it, it must be remembered, just a final note, must be remembered that in this sinful world, God must enable us to be persuaded or we would never believe in Him in the first place. 
The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Furthermore, Paul says that since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of preaching to save those who believe. That's 1 Corinthians 1, 21. So in this sinful world, human wisdom is inadequate for knowing God. We just can't know God based on human wisdom alone. And that's why Paul said that his preaching came in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's from 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. So, to wrap up, we are dependent upon God to remove the blindness and irrationality caused by sin and to enable us to evaluate the evidence rightly, believing what Scripture says and coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. So, I hope that you've enjoyed our, our first podcast as we looked at the existence of God, knowing that, yes, when you look up into the sky at night, you can know there is a God who's up there. And the way you know that is through the inner sense God gives you as a human being, and then second of all, believing the evidence in Scripture and in nature that points us to an all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Well, thank you for joining us. Let me have a word of prayer and we will dismiss. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about you and the fact that you are alive, you're real, you exist. And God, we as human beings can know that. We can know it through the inner sense you give us and Father, through the evidence you give us through Scripture and just by looking at nature around us that points us to a loving, wise, powerful, intricate creator. Thank you. Continue to guide us and continue to show us more about yourself in the days to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.